Yeah, just a, a couple of industry-specific questions that have come up here. Uh, and the first one is from a, a gentleman called Peter Steen from, from Collins Aerospace, uh, based in Germany, actually. And, and he just said, well, will Aircap play a more significant role in, air, in aircraft specification in the future, do you think? It's a good question. And uh, we hope so. The interior of an aircraft is some of the most expensive furniture you will ever sit on. The crew rest when you walk by the next time you go on a flight, probably about five million dollars for those beds. So the internal specification of an airplane to refit a triple seven is probably twenty-four million, just the interior. Just the interior. When you think of you're renovating your house. And so what we want to do. As, uh, as someone who moves airplanes around all over the world, we would ideally like the airlines to have the same business class, the same first class. The airlines are convinced that the consumer will pay them more if they have flashing lights or purple seats or uh, whatever it is. It's very unclear if the consumer ever does pay another nickel. It's all about the, the, uh, the destination rather than the journey. So I think we certainly will push hard to see as much standardization of an airplane as possible because so much gets wasted. Um, so much money is spent uh, with no return as well. And uh, you know, we'll, take, we'll give an airplane to someone for 12 years, might have spent, in that example, a big airplane, over 20 million on the interior. Like that 20 million, that could be, like a lot of that could stay on for the next guy, uh, but they insist on tearing it all out. And unions have a big impact on that actually as well, because unions will say, well, the phone, I have an instruction manual, and the phone, the inter- internal phone on the airplane is on the left-hand side of the bulkhead. On this one you're giving me now, it's on the right-hand side. I'm not going to answer that phone. Right. That's what happens. That's right. actually what happens in some of these airlines that have real issues with unions. And then to move the phone to the other side might cost 50 grand. Yeah, yeah, for no material difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. Okay, um, second question is from a, a chap called Dirk Steffes, who from Radia, again uh, in, in Germany. And he asks, um, how do you see the development of e-fuels in your industry, uh, both in terms of costs and, and availability? So e-fuels, we're talking about um, electric vehicles or SAF, sustainable aviation fuel. No, electric power first. Um, the, the driver for electric-powered flight will come from the automobile industry. Um, in aviation, Boeing and Airbus only sell you know, on, for the last 20 years, on average, they might have sold about 1,600 airplanes a year between them. That's it, right? Now, they're very high-value items. But in the car industry, it's so much bigger. It's enormous. It's many multiples the size on the manufacturing side, the OEM side. So there's massive R&D resources. So the advancements in um, electrical propulsion have come from the automobile industry. But the automobile industry, from them, for their perspective... Once you get to around 400 kilometers, if the, ta- if the battery can reliably do that, the benefits of going beyond that, the warranty, are, v- are very limited. Mm. You're not going to be able to sell more cars because that service is 98% of your customer base. So it, the aviation industry just doesn't have the wherewithal to push that to 3,000 nautical miles. So, mm. so what we will see on the electric side that's why for the next 10, 15 years, I suspect, is that we'll see improvements, advancements in it, but it'll be limited to very small craft. So it could be that in seven or eight years' time, you will be able to take 
a, uh, an electric taxi, you know, short distances around large urban areas. Mm. Uh, I think that's, but to, to, to have batteries on long haul aircraft, that's highly unlikely to happen anytime, actually, I think at all. Mm. Um, the next generation of engines that are being looked at is it's got hybrid, it's got some electricity for when the airplane is on the ground or taxiing, but for the most part, it's still combustion engines. Mm. Okay. That's, that's really useful. We have a question in here from a Chinese partner, Alex de Freitas, I think is, is uh, based in Shanghai, and, and he, he mentions here a recent Reuters report suggested the forecasted demand for aircraft in China will be for 8,700 new planes over the next 20 years. Um, at the same time, the U.S. government officials are, are, comp are complaining that the Chinese government is blocking purchases from Boeing. Uh, what are the likely implications for aircraft leasing in general, and, and maybe for AirCap in, in particular? Um, you know, there's always uh, opportunities in everything, um, but I would say that the Boeing forecast is, is, is accurate. You know, you're going to see that. Now, we have had um, a suspension of uh, Boeing product going from mo most Boeing product going into China um, over the recent past, but I would fully expect that will get resolved. Both, both parties, both countries need each other. This is obviously one very public component of trade between two economies. Um, and certainly the Chinese industry does not want to be reliant on Airbus. You, know, you can't have that, that yeah. there's a monopoly situation. They, they won't permit that, it's too big. Now they're building their own um, aviation industry too, and in time they will have their own homegrown competitor to Airbus and Boeing. But that's a ways off before you have a full suite of aircraft um, that will be able to compete with Boeing and Airbus. But the Chinese will definitely get there. But in the near term, I expect that we will see some resolution of that. Okay. Um, we've got a lot of questions, so I'm just going to try and, and uh, curate them very quickly. We'll just go with one more, I think. This is from a lady called Clara Mahan, who heads up the Association of Executive Search Consultants in Europe. I think she's based in Brussels. And she says, with culture being key to AirCap's success, how are you addressing diversity, equity, and inclusion? No surprise she's asking that question, I guess. Yeah. Sure. I mean, look, th th these things are all very important. Um, for me, I mean, if, if we look at our own business, um, we have plenty of, uh, of diversity on our board. Um, and you know, if we look at the overall employee stats here, it's 50% male, 50% female, etc. But I would hope, I just think that when it comes to these, to, to these issues, that um, what you're always trying to do is make the place better. And so I'm all for whatever initiative that's there, but it's got to try and make the place a better place rather than detract from what it is. I think it's very important. Yeah, yeah, okay. Well, look, thank you so much. Um, there, there is a lot of other detailed questions which are, which are fine, but I think the time is against us. Um, Signium in general would really like to express our huge gratitude to, to, to all the team at Aircap, particularly Gillian and Iona, uh, and to you, Angus, for the hospitality and the tremendous contribution. Thank you. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Thank all you right. all very much. Thank you. Hope you enjoyed it.